Imagine for a moment what our world would look like without the internet. No quick access to news articles, not able to quickly access random facts from Wikipedia, and not able to engage with others from all over the world in an instant. How different would our world be? Would it be better off? Well, there wouldn't be investigations into emails or Russian hackers for starters, and there wouldn't be widespread normalization of hate speech. However, that isn't the world we live in. The world we live in is much faster, much more immediate, and the implications of technology have not yet fully come to fruition. So let's take a trip down memory lane, shall we? Do you remember that sound? It was the sound of both frustration and excitement, especially for a teenager in the early 2000s. When American Online, aka AOL, was launched in the 90s, it quickly became a monopoly for its time. Fast forward a decade or so and social media began in the form of MySpace. Now MySpace is a relic of the past with Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat. People from all over the world have the ability to connect. To put it in perspective, there are 2.3 billion Facebook users. That is double the amount of Catholics in the world, which still remains the most preeminent denomination of Christianity. However, with that many users on one platform comes a lot of problems. Social media has allowed for us to express ourselves in a multitude of ways, and there are those out there that have taken that freedom and used social media in a negative sense to bring others down, and what we call cyberbullying, which has taken a national uh, toll in terms of harm. For example, the mass shooting in Christchurch, New Zealand, where 49 people were killed and many more were injured after a white supremacist from Australia live-streamed the attack on social media. We want to get right to that breaking news, an anti-Muslim terror attack in New Zealand. The prime minister there is calling it one of the nation's darkest days. A gunman attacked two mosques while hundreds of Muslims were praying. The man who is claiming responsibility and charged with murder is an extreme right-wing white supremacist who live-streamed the attack. 49 people were killed overnight when a white gunman targeted Muslims at prayer. Two mosques in the city of Christchurch were packed with people on the Muslim Sabbath when someone entered and just started shooting. 41 people were killed at the Al-Nur Mosque, followed by seven more at the Linwood Mosque. That's about four miles away. One other person died at a hospital. A gunman appeared to live-stream the first attack on Facebook. But besides the shooting in Christchurch, there is a more pervasive problem that has swept the internet, and that is cyberbullying. Cyberbullying today really does impact people beyond school grounds and beyond the work space. According to a new UK survey which says cyberbullying makes young people twice as likely to self-harm or attempt suicide than other young teenagers the same age. Recently, I had a great conversation with a member of the Federal Bar Association, a young and talented internet attorney by the name of Andrew Rosso, about this specific issue. Here is a conversation you should know about with attorney Andrew Rosso. In a world where we are surrounded by black mirrors and technology, uh, social media has allowed for us to express ourselves in a multitude of ways and there are those out there that have taken that freedom and used social media in a negative sense to bring others down and what we call cyberbullying which has taken a national 
toll in terms of harm. And cyberbullying today really does impact people beyond school grounds and beyond the work space. And it's something that needs to be addressed by the courts and is starting to be looked at by state legislatures. Now, um, can you give me a um, some more of a specific example that people can understand? Like, some people get confused a lot of times of like what we hear in the news all the time. What is cyberbullying? Sure. So, what I, I know it's very broad as well, but um, most people think of mostly the most extreme cases. Sure. Um, so, if you can just give me a few examples of um, cyberbullying and how it's impacted. Um, Communities. Absolutely. Uh, well, first and foremost, as you said, defining cyberbullying is, is difficult because you have to understand what cyber is. And what cyber is today is any electronic device that has a capability of transmitting electric signals from one device to another or from one device to another person. Bullying is usually defined as the repeated conduct or targeting uh, of another person by harassment, uh, annoyance, alarm, alarming behavior and putting that together you're targeting another individual repeatedly uh, through an electronic device. Um, examples today could be uh, sending a text message or multiple text messages to an ex-girlfriend or somebody that you don't like repeatedly. Um, the nature of the message can be threatening, it can be uh, you know as the statute is uh, harassing, uh, annoying, uh, basically something that just overwhelms another individual to where they feel as if they cannot escape that situation. Uh, there's been examples in the news, uh, most recently, you know, Michelle Carter and um, Conrad Roy, where uh, Michelle was uh, texting her boyfriend who had suicidal tendencies to end his life. Um, that was a very big case. Um, Grace McComas, uh, she was a 13-year-old girl who uh, took her own life back in, I believe, 2015 and uh, hung herself because of repeated text messages that she got uh, or messages that she got on social media. And it was a neighbor of hers that had enticed her to hang herself. Um, How pervasive do you think this is in, in the current society? And I you know it's um, uh, predominantly among um, Transitional youth, so you know, 13 to 24 years old, but I mean, it can go further than that. So, what I mean, as personally, like as a journalist, you know, we I get I've gotten death threats just last week, you know, sure. I get um, people saying that I should commit suicide, but then again, you know, I'm a 29 year old, sure, um, that hopefully has more coping mechanisms. Um, that's always not the case for everyone, right. but do you, you know, we hear things like, uh, you know, the, the uh, First Lady's Be Best program, which is to help combat cyberbullying. So we know that it's a pervasive issue, but um, from someone that, you know, is presenting on this topic, what do you think that people out there, like the parents and stuff, should they be on the lookout for this type of behavior from not just receiving it, but also their child or adolescent being the um, aggressor? Absolutely, um, and you raise a great point, and you know, we're in a very different age today. You know, I'm 29 years old. I, in addition to practicing law, I am a journalist myself. I write for a number of outlets. And, you know, we've all, as both an attorney and journalist, I've gotten my fair share as well of death threats or repeated text messages. But I think when it comes to children, um, the fact that they are now walking around with smartphones and mm -hmm. iPads and these 
devices that you and I may not have had the ability to uh, own for ourselves back in our days, it's changed. And it gives a lot of power and a lot of freedom to somebody who just isn't of that mindset to fully appreciate uh, its consequences. And uh, as you said, the First Lady has program, uh, has her anti-cyberbullying program. Um, I think it's smart and I think parents should be on the lookout um, uh, of what their kids are doing. But at the same time, it's very hard to pick out those signs. Um, you know, suicidal tendencies, some of them become very good at hiding it, you know, and that's, that's the power of the internet is it allows you kind of like the Matrix uh, video that I used in my uh, presentation, you have the ability to reconstruct yourself, a residual self-image digitally. So who you are physically right now may not be who you uh, portray yourself as online or behind a phone or on your social media profiles, and I think that's, that's huge. Um, because you can basically reinvent yourself however way you want. And people prey on that. People take advantage of that. Um, and it's for this reason, you know, I grew up when I was younger, I was a smaller guy around. You know, I had friends who I thought were friends and I got picked on. Um, and I didn't know how to stand up for myself at the time. And it took a lot of inner strength to figure out why people were bullying. And when I realized how to stand up for myself, I promised myself that I wouldn't let others go through the same thing alone. And, and do you, is your personal experience what you think helped drive you to pursue this type of a cyber, um, oh, the dark side of social media awareness, um, advocacy type of um, law? Is that, do you think that personal experiences have helped can make you choose this part of the legal industry or um, rather than say, you know, tax law? Sure. Um, I, I think so. Um, you know, there's, it, it's lived with me for a very long time. Have I overcome it? Absolutely. Have I found a way to deal with it? Sure. Do I have a great group of people in my life? Of course. But it's something that never really went away and it's something I'll always remember and I've overcome, but now I want to give back. And that's why I had started my anti-cyberbullying initiative through social media and it's called the Cyberbite project and what the Cyberbyte project is designed to do is bring Silicon Valley and Hollywood together for uh, their fans, for consumers. So if you follow uh, you know the Kardashians or you follow you know a Britney Spears, whoever you look up to, having them record a personal video, 60 second video to their fans about hey, I'm accepting the Cyberbyte challenge and here's my experience, or here's my personal story of a time that I was bullied and here's how I stood up. You know, a lot of them who may not feel comfortable sharing that experience will still share tips on how uh, their fans or followers should handle online trolling because a lot of these, uh, you know, celebrities are in the public light and it's very hard to argue that they get bullied, so to speak, but people still get trolled and how does one artist who gets a lot of tweets that says your music is terrible, your music's awful, how do they deal with that? So having them speak directly to fans and say this is how I handle it, people take a lot from that and I've seen a wonderful reaction to it. I've had people write me, uh, the celebrities themselves afterwards have come back and said thank you so much. You know, We started getting uh, a new type of fan mail and I think it really speaks to people, at least of our generation, of being able to connect with people you idolize or you know you, you look up to on a daily basis. And um, before I have just a few more questions, sure. I'll let you go. Um, 
do you also like you, you mentioned um, our generation, so like millennials? Do you believe that uh, throughout the course of your work that more so millennials may be more open to seeing ways to combat cyberbullying and um, the dark side of social media rather than say my mom who uses Facebook as well, but maybe doesn't understand the nuances as of what trolling is. And do you, do you, so do you see that? A lot more of the millennial generation are taking it like you are taking it upon themselves to educate more people because it's like we grew up with the technology, but not so much. We still had the tr traditional forms of bullying as right. well. Um, I think so. Um, you know, as, as a millennial, you, you said it, you know, we grew up with this technology. We grew up, uh, I, I grew up with, you know, Zanga, which was to me the very first social media mm -hmm. platform out there. You know, that was early late middle school, early high school, and then it went to MySpace. And I remember when Facebook, it's crazy, I remember when Facebook first came out, you had to, in order to get on Facebook, you had to have a .edu email address. Yeah, you had to have somebody in college invite you. And you were the popular one if you were friends with somebody in college. And, you know, I was one of those people that actually did have somebody in college, and I got brought on. And at the time, it was very restricted of who could get on, what you could do. But now with our generation, there was no timeline, it, there was no buddy list or messenger, there was just, it was like a modernized MySpace page. Um, but I think today with the millennial generation, I think they are open to this. I think they're open to it because we, we are immersed in it. We are in it, we create it, we're expanding it. We are the reason that this technology is growing, but we also contribute to its uh, negative effects at times too. So I think we are the perfect uh, audience or generation to kind of see it move forward in a positive direction. And before I let you go, uh, explain what type of legal um, precedent or ramifications that um, people may not know about that, that, you know, in some states, you know, they've taken state legislatures. So far on the federal level, there hasn't been much, but um, what if a parent at home is listening to this and their child is being um, having issues with cyberbullying or other dark sides of, so of social media, um, what avenues are there that um, a lawyer such as yourself can pursue in order to help mitigate, you know, the damages caused by sure. that? Sure. Well, on a federal level, there is no cyberbullying statute. There is the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Um, that act is uh, geared towards crimes that are committed using a computer. Um, on a state level, most states don't have cyberbullying statutes. What they do have are harassment statutes or existing statutes that are geared towards um, behaviors like harassment. So most states for many years and most courts have tried to take these cases that we've seen in the news and kind of force them into the harassment statutes. Think of it as like a puzzle piece that just won't fit. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. What happens when it doesn't fit? Well, now we're here, uh, states you know, like uh, Texas has David's Law, which was uh, after David Molak uh, down in Austin a few years ago, that requires schools to report to the victim's parents within three days of an incident that they're being bullied, and then to notify the aggressor's parents that, hey, your kid is bullying within a reasonable amount of time. And if you don't, then there are severe penalties, which includes expulsion. 
you have a state like Maryland uh, with Grace's Law, uh, after Grace McComas, a 13-year-old girl who hung herself, and you have Senator Robert Zirkin, who has been pushing uh, forward with legislation. Uh, Grace's Law uh, currently exists, but uh, as of last night, Grace's Law 2.0 just passed the uh, Maryland Judiciary, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, what does that mean? That means that they have narrowly tailored the statute to say it's no longer a course of conduct that can, uh, that is required to identify an instance of cyberbullying. It could be any uh, significant singular incident that could constitute cyberbullying. So it basically fills in the gaps. So what we're seeing moving forward is that states are starting to identify this as a major problem and that our current statutes aren't always best suited and this needs to be something that is specifically identified and set forth for students and parents. And um, just two more questions. The um, last one, what are just some simple tips that you would give people to um, monitor and um, report cyberbullying or just to be more aware of it? Sure. Um, from a parent's standpoint, um, local authorities are always, uh, well first off for, from a parent's standpoint, uh, go to the authorities at schools, you know, they're best suited for principals, teachers, uh, counselors. If, if that doesn't work, local uh, law enforcement. Um, getting that police report uh, to document that, hey, look, here are text messages right here, here are Facebook posts, print those messages out, put that in, have them put that in a police report because it's documented. You know, people are very quick to delete messages after the fact and that's part of the problem is proving it. Um, there are uh, organizations out there that uh, operate as uh, guidance centers and resource centers. Um, I work with uh, a very large uh, nonprofit out in the UK. It's called the CyberSmile Foundation. Um, you know, what does it do? It provides a very generalized resource center for those victimized by online trolling or have thoughts of suicide. And what it does is it connects that individual with local resources in their state, wherever they are. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways. Um, and can people contact you if they have absolutely, any questions? Okay. Absolutely. Uh, at my firm, I, I'm a solo practitioner. Um, I do get a lot of mail from people uh, around the country as a result of the Cyberbyte videos that I do with musicians and actors and actresses. And, Where can uh, people find you? Uh, everywhere. Email uh, andrew at rossolaw.com, uh, Facebook at uh, drossolaw, and Twitter, rossoesq. Um, I answer every message that I get, you know, um, and there's no reason not to. I, I, I love giving back and I think, you know, it's hard enough to reach out to somebody for help and, you know, that's a huge step and I, I'm there to help and facilitate. That's all for this episode of Conversations You Should Know About. Thanks again to the Federal Bar Association and to attorney Andrew Rosso for doing this interview. If you'd like more information about Andrew or the FBA, please check out the show notes. Also, remember to follow me on all social media at Radio Colton and to subscribe to this podcast wherever you download your favorite podcasts. For CBS News Radio in Las Vegas, this is Colton Salas with KXNT and Conversations You Should Know About.